and welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W. Keith Timms, writer and podcaster, creator of the Book of Constellations. In this show, I listen to the first episode of an audio drama, then have a discussion with the creators about the show, their methods, struggles, and successes. Today, we're discussing the first episode of PodCube. 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 The future is yesterday. Hi, my name is Prabo, the CCO, or Corporate Cool Officer, here at PodCube HQ. And my name is Stove, and I'm the CCOP for PodCube. That stands for the Cool Community Outreach Person. And we're here to welcome you to the PodCube RSS Feed Exploration Experience Journey. We call it PodCube RISFEEJ for short. Yes, we do, Stove. Welcome to the PodCube RISFEEJ. But you probably have a few questions right now. Maybe like, what is a PodCube? Why is a PodCube? When will a PodCube? And we have the answers. A little bit sci-fi and a lot sketch comedy. PodCube is the creation of Jordan Reed, Tucker Bettys, and Mason Amadeus. The show's premise revolves around an imaginary technology called a PodCube that travels in time and space and records everything in its vicinity, which is then broadcast back to our own time so we can listen. Practically, this allows the show's short, absurdist sketches to be about anything and take place anywhere. You can listen to PodCube's episodes in any order, and the subject matter can widely vary. For example, the first episode takes place in the future, where a synthetic goose manufacturer has become dissatisfied with his work. The second imagines an exclusive upscale bathroom that takes reservations like a restaurant. And the third finds a voiceover artist trying to record dialogue that becomes more and more bizarre every time it's rewritten. I spoke to Tucker, Mason, and Jordan remotely from their homes. Why don't we start with having each of you introduce yourselves and tell us about what you do on the show PodCube. Tucker, why don't you go first? Because no one knows who you are. Yeah, Jordan and I have both been on other things, but nobody's heard from you yet. Well, okay. My name is Tucker, and I am one of the voice actors on PodCube. I do character voices. I write sketches. I pretty much just bounce ideas off of Mason and Jordan and... We just make make the stuff. You're and, also like and the I world help. building expert. I guess world building is my would be my strong suit. Podcube has a very detailed and intricate lore, and there's a lot of stuff going on in like the background of Podcube that you might not necessarily get face value explanations of in the episodes, but it, there's just a very intricate universe that we're playing within. My name is Mason Amadeus. I'm one third of Podcube. Jordan and I sort of split the sound designing and editing, uh, but I do sound design, editing, video work, 3D modeling, some code, some web design, and uh, soon to be some code pertaining to gaming. I do all the weird techie stuff. Jordan. Yes, thank you, Keith. Uh, my name is Jordan Reed. I am another one of the one third of PodCube. I do, I don't know if it's really voice acting because I basically have the I don't change my voice because as soon as I think I want to try, I'm like, well, I think that sounds really bad. So I just, vo I, I just talk. I do some editing and sound design as well. A little bit of video work, but it's all very, very basic video work. Um, and then, you know, contributing to sketches and ideas. And yeah, I, I'm one third of the people who like to just play pretend in PodCube. 
what is each of your backgrounds in the arts? Oh, start with Tucker. Well, I've been in theater like my whole life. Um, I've been acting and singing and dancing since I was a kid. And then once I got into like middle school and high school, I, I started doing band. And um, I don't know, I just kind of hyper-focused on those things all throughout high school. And eventually I kind of got into writing after the fact. Those things just kind of carried into my adult life as a hobby that I've really enjoyed pursuing. Mason. Tucker left out all the crazy stuff we did in high school. We used to uh, do a lot of... <laughs> impromptu improvised performances on the street in the sense like we dressed up in these suits that we bought that matched and we stitched professional into the chest and we'd go around masking tape street corners <laughs> and like direct people <laughs> around sidewalks we were in marching band together so we'd do this thing where we'd be walking downtown and we would just go out and do this for hours and one of us we'd walk in step one of us would say a number and then we both count in our heads that many steps and then we both trip because if two people do it it really sells it we did a lot of that kind of impromptu silliness. It was kind of born out of that. For me, I then went and I started working in radio as an afternoon DJ, which I didn't super enjoy, but I got really into audio production from that and you know had the chance to play with editing voice specifically. Yeah. And I'm also just a, a nerd for signal processing. So I'm, I'm self-taught in everything, but I'm just like a collector of painstaking, boring hobbies. Like I love the monotony of sitting down and working through lines of code or doing surgical vocal edits, figuring out routing and busing. So that's sort of where I come at this from. I think out of the three of us, I'm probably the weakest actor. What's interesting is that Jordan told me that you were the best character actor out of three of you. Yeah, so there. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's true. I what can do twist. voices decently. But you guys will come out with these fully fleshed three-dimensional people off of a premise like Dentist with Tiny Hands. And Jordan's like, oh, I know exactly who this person is and how they'll react. And Tucker's like, I wrote a backstory. Jordan, tell us about your creative background. I've been a band nerd my whole life. That's what I do for work. I'm a music professor. But when, when it comes to acting and all the stuff like acting chops or theater chops, I really don't have much. I just, I really love thinking about stuff. I really like thinking about hypotheticals. I've always found myself going like, wouldn't it be funny if this person did this in this situation and then how people would react to that thing? I like watching people do funny things when they don't mean to be doing funny things paired with my fascination with playing pretend or what ifing constantly. Maybe that's my theater background, even though it's not even close to being that. So I'm curious as to what this show means to the three of you. What's the genesis of this show? Where does it come from? Can I just jump on the like, what does this show mean to you thing? Because sure. there's, there's a phrase that has come to mind that it just, at least to me, Podcube is the perfect excuse to do anything in a creative space and justify it narratively. <laughs> because okay. we've created this meta literary device that allows us to do anything and then make up an excuse that fits in with this world that we've created. And uh, it's just really fun to be able to apply any situation, any creative skill, any medium to a single universe, to a single thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a lot of time in my life to just be silly. Mason and I had a show before PodCube that was called Alabaster's Haberdashery, and it was basically an audio drama. But what I realized from that, too, is that in order to feel fulfilled, I need to be silly a little bit. The show is very important to me, even though it's basically just one big running weird fart joke, essentially. But it's really nice to just have an outlet 
that you can just do whatever and then also have two people that will back up any idea that any of us have. Tucker, what does this show mean to you? Over the past, like, it's got to be like six or eight months, PodCube's kind of just grown into like my main creative outlet. To me, PodCube is a place where I can just kind of go and explore creativity without concerns or restraints. But it's also challenging because we do have certain constraints on ourselves. Like we're a family friendly show and that's really fun to work inside of. We've made it sound like therapy. (laughs) (laughs) PodCube is, I guess it's a kind of an anthology show. It's got a frame, right? Which is there is a technology called the PodCube, which travels through time and records audio from any place and anywhere and any time, and then broadcast that back for us to listen to. So the premise is we're, we're hearing scenes from all across time and space. But of course, this is the excuse for you guys to do whatever sketch happens to come into your minds. The frame is scripted and a lot of the show is improvised. There's a company, PodCube, that creates these devices that they've named after their own company, PodCubes, that are then sold or deployed to various places in the universe. Uh, we have a whole list of how all that technology works and all the departments at PodCube HQ. And then those PodCubes broadcast back to podcast uh, PodCube HQ. Uh, the Brogistics Department sorts through them and curates the feed that gets published onto the PodCube RSS feed. The background lore is a character unto itself because we've played in that space with playing with um, <laughs> episodes that have problems or things that were released accidentally or um, for April Fool's, we took the whole feed down and we did this sort of meta narrative thing again just for that one day about like why everything had crashed. We're trying to make the RSS feed almost an ARG-like experience in that sense that like even the way episodes are published is part of the lore of the show, despite the fact that you can just listen to any episode because they're all disconnected. You do this world building not only in like the intro and outro for each episode, and like you said, having these special episodes that come up where you sort of break your frame in order to tell more of the story of the frame itself. But you also do that on social media. Like on when every time I see you guys on, on Twitter, it's as if the PodCube Corporation is responding in this very weird, futuristic, electronic manner. Talk to me about that decision to be um, that consistent with your marketing or outreach or appearance. It's funny hearing like all of these things that we've put into place that we kind of sort of like refuse to break character because we just feel like it's funnier that way. And I I think quite literally, we just thought that, oh, wouldn't it be funny if this was just always how it was. And I think we kind of accidentally summarized like the core conceit of PodCube and it's taking like a silly dumb joke to its absolute limit of seriousness. Like we do that, we try and do that with our production value on all of the episodes. Like even the most, the silliest, dumbest thing that we've just made up, we then try and put it in this cinematic immersive sound. We try and stick to all of these characters, but it all stems from, well, wouldn't this be funny? It's, it's just taking dumb, silly ideas and going way too hard on making them real. Oh, Finley, guess what? Yeah? This is your 7,000th goose. The one I just did? Yeah. The one you just you just punched it in, right? Yeah. Yeah, you might want to... That's a third something to me, but you know what? I'm going to share... I'm sending you down a pizza in the... In the no, in don't. The no. Here no, it comes. Hold it. I don't want... I mean, it looks very good. Happy yeah, thank goose, I don't. Thank you. I don't need the pizza. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna send it back your way. Maybe send it to. I'm not really sure. Send it to Carol. You don't like pizza. I like pizza. I just don't Is want. Is it because there's goose on it?
Well, now I have a question because you said that you were largely motivated because you wanted to just do a sketch show and then gave yourself the freedom to do whatever kind of sketch you wanted. But as a listener, I, I feel like there's maybe some unifying philosophy or theme that you guys are injecting into the episodes, at least the ones that I've listened to. Is there a guiding philosophy to writing and creating PodCube? Keith, that's, that's, a, that's a giant question. Oh, holy smokes. Didn't we I, just tell I, you how dumb we all are? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think there's, there's some genius in there. So at least I, think I have an idea. Do it, Tucker. Go. Because I, I think the guiding philosophy of creating PodCube is ultimately to have fun. And it really comes down to the fact that, you know, Mason, Jordan, and I are very like-minded individuals, and we have kind of similar humors. And so once we, once we get going on, you know, goofy, silly ideas together, we add to it collectively very well. Yeah, I, I think like the, the guiding principle would be sort of harmless, absurdist silliness, like a, like a cool escape that's never too heavy. The guiding principle is some sort of fusion of the three of us spitting on the same piece of paper until words form gross, gross. <laughs> yucky i was trying to think of a better metaphor but i'm not a writer the episodes that i listened to prior to this interview at least seem to have a common theme of technology run amok that there's a satire of science that's going on there the whole idea of tech run amok is very funny i guess for all of us and then i also realize my fascination with like uber, uber corporate people trying to connect with a younger generation by way of technology and like realizing how poorly it's done all the time. That concept of people thinking they get it, quote unquote, and then also technology doing what it wants. Yeah, I, I realize I think is hilarious. Come an undertaking into the exceptional land of the tiger, the pig and the bureau. An adventure, educational, comedy film, and awesome manner to initiate and inspire children for generations. Find the hidden deliver of magic in a worldwide of pirates and cowboys. Examine the secrets and techniques and strategies of the very deep puddles. And enjoy education that you have in no manner can be dreamed of. Yeah, it's reading a little bit, it's reading a little bit disjunct. Yeah? Yeah, you don't think so? Uh... Honestly, I wasn't really paying attention. Um, can you do it again? But they just did send down another revision. One more time. Same kind of thing. Okay. Can you do it a little, a little lower, a little more like yeah. anticipation built Ooh, in? Okay, okay, okay. Three, two, and a one. In a universe wherein every doorway is a brand new manner to a modern day day adventure, wherein spherical each bend lies each different bend, and spherical that corner is a modern day day lesson to be learned. Come and undertaking into the amazing land of the tiger, the pig, and the bureau. An adventure, educational comedy film, and great manner to initiate and inspire kids for generations. Tell me about how you guys collaborate to bring an episode of PodCube to life. I assume it starts with an idea for a script? Yeah. I feel like it usually starts with, wouldn't it be funny if, and then <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> One of our many Google Docs is this list of bullet points of absolute nonsense that we just throw stuff in there from time to time. Sentient printers talking about how they screw people over all the time, or like a line like extremely aggressive nutritionists. And then in quotes, pain is just food that you eat with your fists. <laughs> like, so <laughs> there'll be those just like bullet line ideas. So we'll sit down and look at this list and see what jumps out at us. 
I described the process once and then it stuck with me as uh, it's like being in a sketch development room, but in real time, like we're all collaboratively writing with our mouths because we're improvising the whole thing. But a lot of it gets cut and then chopped and rearranged. So it's like writing onto paper and then editing it, except we're all writing onto audio with our voice. It's improvised and then heavily edited. Do you actually write a script ever? No, never. No. They're We've like, come close. We've, I think, I think we've, we've come close, but then we've abandoned it because it's, it, it doesn't feel right to me. It seems silly to sit down at a pod cube recording session and have preconceived notions because who's to say, you know, what I wrote or Tucker or Mason is like the best version of that thing. We, we want to go from point A to point B and maybe to point C and how we get there. It's kind of like, mm, whatever we think is the best way in that moment. And Sometimes we don't even get there. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> Sometimes we'll be like, we, will, we should try to go from point A to point B, and if we can get to point C, that'd be great. But then we just start at point A, and we go in a completely different direction. Right, we end at point seven somehow. Yeah, yeah true. Um, by improvising most of the dialogue lines, due to the fact that our framing makes everything almost strictly diegetic in terms of sound design and the philosophy of it, it definitely feels more fitting when things are improvised because it feels more like, very real people talking in the bad, grammatically incorrect way people talk. Uh, it just, it, it lends to that. And I, I feel like I get better takes out of myself improvising than reading a script. You've got some amazing sound design uh, going on for this show. Uh, really highly polished. I was listening to the Kit Fox War Machine. Lots of sound effects and background noise. And Wolf, Bullet Murder Falcon, get out of the way, he's mine. Teach him to do that. Teach him to do that to me. Is that loud for anyone else? Yeah, guys, they're massive guns. Yeah, it's pretty loud. Wolf, are you all right? Wolf, come in. Captain Raptor, this is this is Wolf. I can hear you loud and clear. Target field looks empty. Confirmed targets have been neutralized. Targets have been neutralized. Shall I run recon? No, we need to check in. I just got hit pretty bad. All right. Some systems nominal, others not great. Yeah, they got one. They got the left torsion control. I got no control of my left arm. This mech. This mech. All right. It's walking, but it ain't gonna be doing too good. I'm gonna need extra. Is there a volume on the helmet? Is there a volume on the helmet? I feel like mine's cranked up. Blood murder falcon. Yes, reporting. In. Left temple. Left temple. Scroll wheel on the helmet. Tell me about your philosophy for sound design. I want to do a breakdown video of that episode specifically. That was one that I made, and I had a lot of fun because it was sort of the first full sci-fi project I got to design. But I've been talking a lot, so I'll let Jordan take over. Or Tucker. Uh, sure. <laughs> oh, I'd be happy to take over. It's, uh, it's really cool because once we finish recording, Mason or Jordan take the audio, and then I hear it when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> My philosophy to sound design is to make it sound immersive, make it sound kind of real, but then also like add all these weird elements. I don't know. I just have fun adding little sounds. Like I, I've been really into adding a cell phone ringing and vibrating in the background just to make it sound more real. I love sneaking a very small fart here or there, um, especially because <laughs> while, we're, while we're recording it, no one mentions it. So the fact that a bunch of people would not mention that someone farted quietly to me is very funny. That's that's my philosophy, Keith. Hide, hide, a, hide a small fart. 
That's the one way to tell who did which episode. Um, yes, there's a tiny fart somewhere. <laughs> Our sound design is diegetic. The pod cube is almost literally a fly on the wall. So it's picking up everything in the room, just really building it up to try and make it sound as real as possible, like you're actually in the space. It makes pod cube funnier because it's treated so well. It's, it's always committing to the bit and never really letting on that it is supposed to be funny, if that makes sense. What's funny? What's funny? Real people doing weird, real things that they don't know are weird to me is hilarious. People taking stuff inc- like perfectly seriously when the entire thing is completely absurd. Uh, Monty Python style humor is, is very funny to me. Tucker? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that pause had twins. <laughs> <laughs> My idea of like the funny joke or the funny moment is the perfect callback. Mm. Is like circling back to something yeah. that happened before. And that is make something funny to me i guess no mm. I, I totally get that narrative is the hardest thing to do in improv right it's the like you can do you can be anyone can be kind of funny and goofy on the fly anyone can set something up but bringing it home and ending it is really tough and we used to say that the the structure of a story is you establish a routine then you break that routine something gets in the way something is a problem that happens and then the third thing is you fix the routine using the stuff that's been introduced before you don't add new stuff to solve yes. the problem. You use the stuff that's come mm-hmm. before. And if you can do that, the audience will think you're amazing. Really, all you're doing is just remembering what the hell you've said. That's uh, snapping it shut, like wrapping an improv scene. Sure. Finding a way to exit is very hard. And with PodCube, we have a great excuse that the recording can cut off. I, I kind of noticed that PodCube doesn't frequently have sort of what would be considered to be the sort of the satisfying ending where there's a clear resolution to the problem. But for me, actually, I think that works really well for PodCube because PodCube has this, uh, like you said, this absurdist technology run amok thing. And there is no resolution to these problems. We don't hear any of the problems that these people are having get solved because there is no solving them. That this is a this is the (laughs) universal experience of this world, that this kind of stuff is going to happen all the time and will keep on happening and we're never going to get it fixed. Yeah, I was going (laughs) to say, I think that actually helps. Keep uh keep like the absurdity realistic in PodCube too. Day to day, we all have these ridiculous experiences. It's almost like people are having these little moments or private conversations or intimate moments that they didn't necessarily intend for anybody else to hear. And in a way, it shines a light on the realness, quote unquote, of each sketch. It adds a little bit of humanness or intimacy to each little joke, and you kind of feel like you're in on a secret or you're you're privy to some weird, you know, non-fart based insider information. So let me ask each of you, what do you struggle with, Tucker? <laughs> why 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 am I going first on all of these things? I think it's because Mason and I talk way too much, way too I, much. I struggle mostly with going first, <laughs> Mason. <laughs> Um, I struggle with talking too much, and I, I'm not even from the Midwest. Um, <laughs> no, sorry. I'm, I get bummed out about analytics a lot. Mm. And like, I, that's such a common thing. It feels like trite and boring to say that, right? But like, I feel like everyone who makes a podcast looks at their numbers and feels sad, unless, you're, unless you don't, in which case, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool, good, I'm glad. And I struggle with why I want to see bigger numbers. Why do I want to see a line go up? I, and this is the first show I've, I've done because I've done a, a couple of podcasts. This is the first one I've done where the process of making it, 
the process of creating it is so much fun and so fulfilling in and of itself that I really haven't been struggling with that. I, I struggle with coming up with like thinking if any of my ideas are funny to anybody else other than me. I'm mm-hmm. like, am I the only person who thinks this is funny? And then spending a lot of time on something that only I think is funny to me, I'm like, am I being selfish? I really hope I'm not. I, I struggle with that a little bit. How do you get past that? I've realized that I'm probably being, speaking of being from the Midwest, I'm probably being way too Midwestern where I'm always like, uh, I'm, even though, even though this person doesn't know I exist, I've, I've inconvenienced that person. Um, (laughs) and I, and I, and I just turn off my brain because I, that's my best coping mechanism, uh, healthy long-term don't know yet, but I've, (laughs) I've, I've realized like for, for me, what works best is just to turn off my brain and just focus on. I don't know, the immediate future and focus on what's in front of me and focus on just trying to make Tucker and Mason laugh during a session. And then I think for me, it's a lot easier to deal with. My struggle with creativity, it's kind of outside of PodCube, but when I get into the creative space, I really like to build big things. Mm. Um, and I spend a lot of my creative process, like setting the stage for the creative thing. And then I struggle on making the actual creative thing. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like I, I do a lot of set work for my ideas and then I don't ever make the script. Um, and that's hard for me. But honestly, PodCube has been a huge help with that because of how Mason and Jordan and I work together. Yeah, I have a version of that is when I'm sitting down to write a scene, I'll say to myself, OK, in this scene, character X and character Y need to have a conversation about this. And then I'll spend the first, you know, 500 words setting the scene and describing what they're wearing and what they're doing mm. before actually mm. leaping into the dialogue itself, you know, cause I'm scared mm-hmm. to start that for some reason. So it's weird how human brains will work so hard to just dodge the very point of what you're doing. Even if you're working just as hard on all the other stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's also weird that you said human brains because now you just outed yourself <laughs> as being from <laughs> Kremulak six. <laughs> There's something that you'd said, Jordan, about worrying that you're not funny. And that is also comedy specifically to make a show that is supposed to be funny if i think about that i will implode and so like oh yeah because yeah, it's so subjective and then to like put something out there and be like oh, here i'm being funny it's very hard because funny is not something you can decide for yourself it's something that has to be decided by your audience it's like poignant you can't say i'm poignant you have to that's something that your audience has to ascribe to you and that that's yeah. that's tough so I just yeah. try and make Tucker and Jordan laugh. If I can ruin part of a scene and have to cut out a bunch of laughter, I feel successful. How do each of you measure success? With a really short tape measure so that I'm never disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> My answer, it, 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 at least with PodCube, is echoing back to, I think something we've all said is that I measure a successful session if we've left in tears or if I've made mason or tucker laugh then to me i i honestly count that as a success to me that's like i feel like i've done a good job right tucker (laughs) you're second now you're not first ah man nice yeah coming away from like a a session of pod cube i feel successful if i if i brought something to the table that maybe we hadn't talked about initially and it and it kind of blew up you know yeah i don't think i articulated that well at all <laughs> you did great tucker <laughs> no, you got it man got it one um I, I echo what jordan and tucker both said uh tucker's verbatim because i just really like the way he phrased it uh <laughs> thanks um 
I guess I'll offer something different on top of that too. And I would say that I feel very successful when, and this does not happen often, but there have been a couple of times where a friend of mine who, who listens to the show will message me that they just got one of the weird, very background jokes that we've included. And that makes me feel absolutely over the moon. On April Fool's Day, Tucker wrote this beautiful thing. So we have written a script because uh, we had a text-to-speech robot read it. When PodCube went down, there were a series of automated messages, and one of them was offering comfort to all of the people missing out on PodCube by presenting them with some AI-generated jokes that Tucker wrote. Uh, and one of them was, what did the mailbot say to the milkbot? And then a bunch of binary, like a lot, like a lot of it. Like it was hard to listen to. I think it was like a minute then, of binary. <laughs> yeah. And then later in the day, I get a message from a friend of mine, all caps, and they said, got milk? And I was like, yep, that, uh, that made my whole life. Because they actually spent the time, decoded the binary, and figured out the punchline of the joke. That's like the best, the best feeling in the world. What are lessons that you all have learned about creating audio drama that you can share with people who might want to create their own? Don't have that structured of a plan allow your creativity to kind of direct itself or tell you where it needs to go. There, there's a lot of beauty in verbal improv, I guess, or structural Im- improvisation. If we had all these plans and all this structure, I don't think I would have fun doing the show. Having very little plans, but having a structure to me has really helped. And the other one is I forget. Oh, I remember now. The other one is, the other one is, <laughs> Allow yourself to just try stuff and fail or just try stuff and succeed. It's really beautiful. And we don't get to do that very often in our daily lives, especially when these stakes are so low. I think just trying stuff just for the sake of trying stuff. Focus on your content. You know, make sure that what you're making makes you happy. Maybe initially your primary focus shouldn't be like, everyone needs to listen to this. It should be, I'm going to make something fun and cool. You just have to enjoy what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Find your, find your groove, find your groove and then find your audience. The previous show that I did with Tucker on it, um, though, not because of Tucker. I want to make that very clear from the get go. It's because of me. It absolutely isn't. (laughs) It isn't because of any one person. Um, I burnt out really bad because on that show, I was the, like the logistics coordinator. I scheduled all the recording times. I did all of the editing. When you're the person who's putting in all of the work and doing the project lead, and the people around you don't seem as excited or as committed to it, it's really easy to burn out on that. If you're able to find people that are as excited and committed to the idea, and when you get jumping up and down with excitement about something, you have someone there who's also jumping up and down with you. That's the biggest difference for me working in PodCube. Jordan and Tucker are both super equally motivated. All three of us equally make all of it. It's, it's a lot of effort that goes into this dumb show. And we Uh all put it out there and make it happen. And it's just amazing to work with a team. So make a really good team. What's next for PodCube? What's next for you guys? PodSphere. (laughs) (laughs) You have changed what it means to be a goose. When you started building these things before I was here with the company, I thought you were crazy. Who's this guy building these weird, silly birds that make the big, loud beep, beep sound? When I was wrong, Finley, you taught me, you taught me resilience, you taught me structure, you taught me strength. Now, I don't want you to tell me that you done built your last goose. I think I've built my last goose. I don't think you've built your last goose yet, Finley. Yeah, but I know I have. The last goose you build is the last breath you take in your body. 
I got a job at a peacock factory. I'm sorry? I'm going to be making peacocks. Finley, you know there's no money in peacocks. Podcube's absurd sense of humor is reminiscent of Money Python or The Kids in the Hall. And the short format makes the show easy to get into. But the show's true genius is in its frame, which allows the show to be about nearly anything while building and expanding on its own concept. You can listen to Podcube on most major podcast platforms or see our show notes for more information. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All the opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who expressed them and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. If you want more information, want to sign up for our newsletter, or if you're an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, visit our webpage at thefirstepisodeof.com. If you like down-to-earth sci-fi audio drama, check out my show, The Book of Constellations, wherever you get your podcasts. Keep telling stories. It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time.